the aim is to create a, a virtual copy, that, that digital twin, but of a finance, HR, IT, procurement, any function uh, really. Uh, and our intent is to be able to gather information on that function uh, so we can then, then analyze that virtual copy. We can play around with it and obviously be able to see what happens to that function when we start playing around with uh, the, the inner workings of that, uh, of that digital twin. Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Each episode shares our latest research, benchmarks, and best practices on world-class performance. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world-class performance. Hello and welcome to another Hackett Podcast. I'm David Ketchin and I'll be guiding the conversation today. As usual, the transcript of the podcast will be available at podcast.thehackettgroup.com. This week, we're joined by Tom Kellaway, uh, one of our leading experts in benchmarking and functional delivery model improvement, and indeed, one of the key architects of the digital twin concept. Welcome, Tom. Uh, thank you very much, David. Uh, great to be here. So, Tom, um, first question to you. Um, you know, what is a functional digital twin? Sure. Yeah. Great question. So I'm sure a lot of the listeners are familiar with the term uh, digital digital twin, which effectively describes uh, the generation of collection of digital data to represent a a physical object. So imagine taking a three-dimensional scan of a a piece of machinery, uh, including its inner workings. Uh, That model is a a virtual or digital twin of that physical object. Uh, So that's what the digital twin concept means. Now, uh, as an example, uh, in the automotive industry, uh, engineers will often create digital twins to be able to uh, analyze uh, how a specific car is performing in a, in a virtual model, uh, for example, so they can test the impact of changing the engine configuration or making some changes to the uh, the features of that uh, car, maybe to be able to reduce car accidents, etc. Okay, so a functional digital twin sounds like it's um, a virtual copy of a business function like a finance function. Yeah, exactly, David. So the aim is to create a, a virtual copy, that, that digital twin, but of a finance, HR, IT, procurement, any function, really. Uh, and our intent is to be able to gather information on that function so we can then, then analyse that virtual copy. We can play around with it. So to uh, in that example with the engineering organisation, but again, in the functional uh, digital twin concept, playing around with that functional model and obviously being able to see what happens to that function when we start playing around with uh, the the inner workings of that uh, of that digital twin and the aim is uh, twofold so the first is to create a view of the should cost for that function so that's about creating a digital twin which shows the the staffing and cost levels by process so in a finance function accounts payable general accounting fpna processes but creating it based on three specific types of data point then once we've done that the second thing we try to do is create a, then a, a could cost. So we've got the should cost, and then we model a could cost. And that's a view of the digital twin uh, and what therefore what that virtual function would look like if a company started altering some of those data points. So that's the, the scenario analysis or the modeling we can then do with that digital copy of the function that we've created. So let, let me explain firstly. So uh, I mentioned those different types of data point that we seek to capture. So the first is around the business complexity. Uh, What we're talking about here is understanding the complexity for a function that is going to be created by the business environment in which that function is 
working in and operating it, the sorts of things it can't influence. So the revenue size of the business, the number of employees, number of business units, number of countries are operating in, number of physical locations, for example. So that's the first set of data we capture. Uh, the second is then what you could describe as the functional demand. Uh, so these are the demand inputs into a function, which that function has to service or support. So examples could be uh, invoices or journals or remittances for a finance function. Maybe it's new hires or the number of training hours for an HR function. Could be for an IT function, the number of applications or projects. Or for a procurement function, maybe the number of suppliers, the contracts, or the amount of master data they're having to, to manage. Yeah, So that helps us understand the demand being placed on the function that it's got to respond to. And then the third uh, uh, data set or the data point is then around the service delivery model. So that's the way that the function can choose to respond and manage that inherent complexity and then the demand being placed uh, upon it. So two very simple examples of that are the use of global business services or shared services to be able to uh, create economies of scale. Or the other one, of course, might be the use of technology or automation to, to make the execution of processes much, much easier. Right. Okay. Okay. So that, that all starts to make sense. And um, you're talking about um, should cost and could cost in relation to the function. Um, and then you've talked about three uh, perspectives to look at it, the business complexity, functional demand, um, and how the uh, the function meets uh, the, the the demand through their service delivery model. So I, I get that. That all makes sense. But to, to a large extent, anyone that's worked with Hack It Before would, would kind of recognize that and say, you know, that's that's how you typically start an assessment and the kind of work that you do with us. So what, what's what's different about what, what's what we're doing here? Uh, yeah, so you're absolutely right. The, the sorts of things that we are talking about in that model are, are, are typical uh, data data points that we would capture, as you say, in any Hackett benchmark. We've been doing that for, for, for decades uh, now. The difference is, is how we start to use that information. Uh, so because of that history of benchmarking over many, many decades um, and the fact that we've been capturing that data, what that gives us is millions of data points around those values. Yeah. And what that means is we can start creating that digital twin using something called multivariable regression analysis. <laughs> OK, so yeah, uh, starting to sound a little bit more complicated now. OK. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Don't don't worry. We'll, we'll try to keep it uh, try to keep it simple. Um, what effectively uh, that does is it uses the multiple variables. So all the different types of data that we've captured based on the, those three different groups of data set I mentioned earlier. And what it does, it generates then a single outcome or value factoring in all of those input variables. Now, uh, using our, our data set, and, and you really do need a big data set to be able to make this work. Um, you know, the, the, the scale uh, uh, effectively drives greater accuracy within, a, within the model. So we, we have the benefit of that uh, uh, hack it. But what it means is we can use that statistical tool, uh, multivariable regression analysis, and we can uh, use that by feeding in the information on business complexity, that functional demand, and the service delivery model performance. And we can generate, uh, and you know, this is genuinely something that is completely unique in the market, we can effectively generate a hyper-customized digital twin of a finance, HR, IT, procurement function, etc. And obviously what that uh, generates then is the should-cost view of the function. So based on those different input variables, it, it generates a view of what should be the cost and headcount across the different processes for your function based on those three uh, input values. So uh, rather than say comparing your performance to, to a traditional peer where you might be taking um, a, a median 
profile of a group of organizations uh, who are similar to you. What we've done is uh, created a model which perfectly replicates your business complexity, functional demand and service delivery, and then generates a view of rent based on that, what should be the headcount and cost uh, that uh, is required to be able to support that uh, that profile. So uh, often in benchmarking, people will talk about, oh, yes, but we're unique. Well, the, the days of that challenge uh, existing effectively are, are gone when using this uh, concept because it factors all of those uh, values in. Uh, so all of the uh, nuances and differences within your organization are being fed into that model to give you that hyper-customized benchmark comparison. Crikey. Okay. So uh, we're saving the world through the power of mathematics then. So I think I think what you're saying there is a multivariable regression analysis using a really significant database and, and the size of the database is critical to enable this to work. And that means, means we can get that unique digital twin of the function that we're looking at or the multiple functions that we're looking at. And you've matched it to that company's demographics, um, the workload that they have to deal with, and also uh, reflecting the extent to which they've already adopted certain best practices. Uh, Exactly. And this should cost can then obviously be compared to your actual FTEs and costs. Now, theoretically, of course, the model outcome and your actual staffing and cost base should, should be the same, right? But what we found is that often there is a difference. Now, often a client is either above the model and that does suggest there is some inefficiency in the organization. There's, there's fat in the system, um, and that really can be managed out. Yeah. So effectively saying your cost and headcount are over and above what statistically is required to be able to support a function with your business complexity, the value, the, the level of demand you're managing and the way you've set up to respond to that. So simple stuff like reviewing and looking at spans and layers, just driving better performance management of the organization and the leaders within that organization uh, is, is, is a way to be able to address some of that gap. The, the other times is when uh, a client might actually be under that model. Now, what that starts to suggest is actually the current headcount, headcount and costs aren't quite sustainable enough given the size and complexity of the business and the, the maturity of the service delivery model. So effectively, you're, you're having to work people hard to overcome um, some of the shortfalls um, and obviously, you can only do that for, for for so long. So the question of the sustainability of that model uh, starts to come through. So straight away with that model, uh, you've got a view on whether there's some fat, some inefficiency in the system, whether you are potentially, um, you know, working that organization too hard. And, and obviously, uh, that opens questions about the sustainability of, of driving and delivering in that level of, of, of intensity. Great. Okay. So, so when you talk about the should cost, that's talking about um, how much the function should cost given all the other dimensions that, uh, that you're dealing with. But you also mentioned earlier on um, that you uh, are able to now model the could cost. Can you just tell us a bit more about that? Absolutely. Yes. So as you say, we've established that, that um, should cost. Now we're going to look at the could cost. Uh, so this is a, a scenario that we create, and this is part of that scenario analysis we can do with this type of model, is we can create a scenario by altering that third data point, the service delivery model. So what we can do, for example, is flex the cu- client's current values around, as I mentioned earlier, around level of automation or use of global business services. We can flex those values and change those values, say, for example, to the sorts of levels of performance we see in world-class organizations. Uh, and what that indicates and what that drives is that could cost view. So the could cost uh, uh, profile 
uh, from an FD and cost perspective, um, if an organization was to apply world-class best practice to its service delivery model, uh, but at the same time still factoring in that organization's inherent complexity and demand. So you can use the model uh, to, to identify the, uh, the specific benefits of investing in the service delivery model. So you can say by process, well, if we move the automation from 50% to 80%, how does that change the model? You can, you can identify very quickly the specific benefits of shared services versus, say, automation or how you might be able to combine those, but at the same time, ensuring those benefits reflect your company's uniqueness. Okay, great. So yeah, with, with the database that Hackett have, we've always been in a situation where we were comparing organizations to a customized uh, peer group based on similar characteristics. But what you're saying now is we're taking that a step further into personalized benchmarks. So ones that are reflecting the individual profiles for a client on quite a specific alignment to their business complexity, the level of demand they face, the workload levels, and their current service delivery model. And then once you've done that, you can then flex the model to understand the impact um, of investments to improve in various different dimensions. Is, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that should cost allows you to be able to very quickly identify and in the short term uh, address issues of are you above or below that uh, that that digital twin, and then the could cost is where you can start doing that scenario analysis. And of course, it's not just about changing the service delivery model values to understand the investment benefits of improving and maturing your service delivery model. You can, of course, uh, flex the uh, the other values that we described. So a good example is you could uh, maybe alter the revenue or the business complexity to understand the impact. Uh, on that model. So maybe for an organization who is planning on growing significantly, entering new markets, or maybe for an organization looking to divest part of the business, you can understand, well, what should that mean in terms of that could cost for the function that you're you're looking at? So it's a really powerful way for clients to add a lot more science to that decision-making and that target-setting uh, process. Great. Okay. Thank you. And it, uh, we said at the beginning that um, you've got some case studies of uh, where these, where you've applied this concept um, very recently. Um, how have you found that clients have responded to the uh, opportunity to model their businesses this way? Uh, yeah, absolutely. The, the reception has been uh, excellent, especially uh, amongst those organisations who already high performing and looking are, are looking for a viewer. Well, you know, we need more insight around the forward-looking view that this now can can deliver for our for our clients. Um, so uh, I'll give you a couple of specific examples. So uh, in one, we helped an oil and gas uh, company model their should cost finance function. Uh, that was based on some plan changes in the company uh, strategy. So there were some big uh, uh, corporate uh, and, and business changes that the finance function wanted to understand. How would that impact and influence the right size of the future finance uh, organization. Um, but it also helped them uh, for the first time ever quantify the impact of certain uh, internal decisions that the organization had made around uh, their very detailed planning and budgeting uh, uh, process. Now, uh, what that meant was the for finance could go to the business to say, part of our cost profile, and specifically, I think it was 11% within an individual process, part of that cost is being driven by having multiple iterations of the strategic plan, having a very long budgeting cycle time, budgeting and planning in a great deal of detail. Now, 
what that meant was that the, there might be business value beyond the cost of finance that uh, validated that more detailed approach. But what it meant for finance was the first time they could have a grown-up conversation with the business around that is the cost of those decisions. If we want to continue with that type of process, that's absolutely fine. But it does mean that it is influencing the efficiency of the finance function versus actually what we think we could still look to change despite that through continuing to improve our level of, of digital enablement and automation, as well as in continuing to to drive that uh, global business services adoption. And the, and the beauty of this, and this was a very large global oil and gas company, we did it in two and a half weeks. So by focusing very clearly on those factors, which uh, we knew and they felt drove business complexity and functional demand and understanding of the service delivery model. They could gather that information very quickly. We could feed it into the tool and the results were almost instantaneous. So, so you know, uh, a really short turnaround time for that, for, for that client. Uh, and another uh, client at the other end of the scale, maybe, with a, a much smaller uh, business, uh, they lacked the economies of scale, but still suffered from a lot of geographical complexity. So quite a small business, but operating in uh, multiple countries, multiple regions around the world. Uh, and what we were able to do was to use that digital twin to pr- uh, provide a very, very specific uh, comparison um, that factored in that lack of a scale and economies of uh, economies of scale, but at the same time uh, gave them a much more nuanced, specific uh, benchmark target that they knew was achievable despite those inherent complexities and the, and the lack of uh, a scale that that meant for the way that they could deploy technology. Um, or the the volume of activity they could do to be able to generate uh, some of the greater the, some of those greater uh, economy of scale benefits you'd see for for much bigger organisations and I think those two examples are where we specifically as a, the focus of the project leveraged that digital twin that was a core part of what we were doing but I think what you'll start to see for us going forward is actually weaving that digital twin concept uh, into all of our projects uh, because what it means is it provides us that extra capability to be able to uh, supplement that more traditional benchmarking. So a great example, uh, my my third and final example, is working with a client where we compared them to uh, a set of uh, industry peers, but the CFO felt that their FP&A costs were being influenced and were, uh, I guess, uh, higher than the external benchmark uh, because they had a huge number of plants relative to some of their peers, and he felt that that manufacturing accounting and that the, the FB&A activity that was having to go into supporting that that business profile was driving uh, higher higher costs for them. We could use the digital twin specifically on those FB&A processes to be able to to validate that 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 hypothesis, and it was true there was an impact, but the remaining gap was then something that we could then very clearly then tag to lower levels of best practice adoption. So the CFO got the confidence that the gap and target was something that they could achieve. And then, of course, through the other work we've been doing by looking at uh, best practice maturity, we could then, again, obviously specifically link the remaining opportunity uh, to lower use of, uh, of best practice. Tom, that, that sounds um, fantastic. I mean, thank you very much for taking us through all of that. Uh, I suppose, you know, I, I would reflect that we've always known about Hackett's unique data and insights, but this is really driving us to another level of innovation. Um, and it's great to see that, um, you know, we don't stand still, um, the same as the market doesn't and the same way that our clients don't. Um, and this new approach sounds incredibly powerful for businesses to drive 
functions to the next level of performance and give a, a new level of assurance around the benefits of investing in a transformation. And that's, I suppose, one of the key questions we get asked by our clients all the time is, you know, if we do this, how certain are the results? And this really does try and take some of the guesswork out of transformation. So thanks very much, Tom. I really appreciate you spending the time with us today. Um, that wraps up this week's podcast. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know what you thought of this episode. You can write us an email at podcast at com. And if you like this episode, please share it. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcast.thehackitgroup.com. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. The Hackett Group is the global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehackettgroup.com.